This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello, welcome to the Thursday Night Podcast. This is episode 62, and my name is Jordan. I'm joined today by David and Brady. Uh, coming at you this week, we got an App State recap. The Panthers lost to 17-13 to up in Boone, North Carolina. We'll talk about that. Do a little bit of a preview for football versus the South Alabama Jaguars. Touch on some basketball stuff, including a preview of the game up on North Avenue at Georgia Tech, as well as discussing other things such as the Sunbelt Coaches Poll. But first, let's get things going with an App State recap. As I mentioned earlier, that game ended 17-13 in favor of the Mountaineers. Georgia State stormed out of the gates, scored on the opening drive, and led most of the first three quarters. It was 10-3, Georgia State at the half. 10-10, leading into the fourth. Noel Ruiz put up a field goal to lift the Panthers to a 13-10 lead with 12-29 to go. And then App State had an 11-play, 77-yard drive, finished by backup quarterback Jacob Huseman after Zach Thomas went out injured. 10-yard Cam Peoples touchdown run puts App up 17-13 with 4.55 left in the game. And then uh, Panthers just couldn't steal the game back, and that was the final in Boone, the closest the Panthers and the Mountaineers have ever played in the series history. Uh, Just couldn't quite get it done. Gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, it was a hell of a game. Not necessarily if you're someone who wants 70 points combined from every, you know, every game you watch and need all the offense, 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 because it was not a good offensive game either way. Um, But it was just a a close game. Uh, Like I said in my uh, piece on this game, it it felt like a game that was in the snow up in Boone just because it was one of those where neither offense could do anything and the, uh, the defense were dominated like you will get in games where the weather has a factor, um, but it was a clear day in Boone. Um, unfortunate that Georgia State couldn't pull it out in the end because it really was their best shot that they had had at App State and the best shot anyone had given App State this year at home. Um, they lost to Marshall, and Marshall had them pretty well handled. And these Those two games are kind of comparable, um, but difference was Marshall made the plays – Georgia State didn't make enough plays in the end, and that's how it ended. It sucks because it was a really good game. Um, I think a lot of people were a little bit upset, and it felt like the game kind of was snatched away from Georgia State. Um, But, man, I truthfully saw that defensive performance that the Panthers had. And, I mean, if that defense was the defense that played in every game, the Panthers probably wouldn't have four losses right now because – App State's bread and butter is running the ball. And through the first half, the Georgia State defense didn't allow them to do anything on the ground. Not a damn thing. And, you know, as especially after the Coastal Carolina game, especially after getting torched by Arkansas State, you know, there were a lot of questions about the defense's ability to, you know, stop teams and hold teams down. But, I mean, if you told us last week that Georgia state was going to hold app state to 17 points. I think we would have thought that they would have won the game because holding app state to 17 points is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is kind of the game that I spelled out as like, this is how Georgia state could possibly win. Maybe needing a big defensive play that didn't go their way. And uh, there were a couple opportunities for that. I will say there were about three or four plays in total that had they gone a different way, the game might've gone the other way but 
I was talking about it in the realm of like, there's a reason App State's a heavy favorite because what I just spelled out isn't a super likely option just because App State's really good and the defense has struggled against good offenses, but they played their hearts out. Um, And it also showed, despite what happens with this year, you saw guys like Jeff Clark have a great game. Jordan Strawn, another good game, another sack. He's got the season record with two games still to go. It just feels like there's a lot building up in the front for the defense. Um, You know, Blake Carroll had another really good game. He's taken a huge step this year at the linebacker position. So you see, no matter what the future holds with any personnel changes, you can see that the guys that will be coming back for the defense have a chance to be something like this every week. And I guess the other thing is, uh, what we're still going to talk about after a second, I'd say, the jig is up in that the defense showed that they can be this in the game through four quarters. So with two less good offenses coming up the rest of the way, if they don't look like something resembling this against South Alabama this week and Georgia Southern next week, then that'll be a disappointment because they just showed how good they can be against a really good app state team. No, absolutely. Like truthfully, Obviously, Georgia Southern is an option team, so more than likely they're going to run the ball for 60 to 80% of their offensive plays. But this week with South Alabama, South Alabama is not a prolific rushing team. If Georgia State plays like they did last week, and they should, the defense should. I mean, I couldn't see a reason why they shouldn't play and repeat that performance. You know, that bodes really well for them. And as you said, with the personnel that's on the field – they definitely should go out there these last two games and showcase, okay, yes, we got blown up a couple of times this year, but this is still a good unit and we need to play like it. And so the hope and the goal is that they do that for these last two games, because, you know, for Georgia state to finish above 500, they're going to have to win both of these games, something they haven't done. They haven't won back-to-back games this year. And flipping to the other side, I mean, saying all the good about the uh, defense and, I guess the expected thing is to mention that the offense struggled some more, but I would also just posit that the app state defense is also very good and they played a heck of a game as well. Uh, Georgia state got an opening drive touchdown and it was really their only good drive of the day. They got field goals and two possessions later in the game, both brought about by a big play were just on one play they got a good read on the play. You know, Tucker Gregg busts a 48-yard run on a third and long where it was abundantly clear App State was not expecting the run. Um, and then start of the fourth quarter, Sam Pinckney wins in the air against Sean Jolly, 40-yard gain. And both those times could have been touchdown drives easily, uh, but App State did well. Uh, the final numbers in the red zone, both teams were three for three, but Georgia State was one touchdown, two field goals in the red zone. App State was two touchdowns, one field goal in the red zone. And that quite literally was the difference in the game. As far as maybe bigger implications, I mean, we've seen games where quad has been very good and this wasn't necessarily that game. Uh, Quad Brown struggled some. He ended up on the day 11 of 33 for 152 yards through the air, which isn't good. Um, 
you definitely don't want to go about 33% completion percentage of days all the time and expect to have success. But App's got a good defensive unit. They played good. And so I guess we will see as the season goes on how much of this was App and how much of it was not. But I guess the other thing is the things that are going wrong for Quad, I think, are probably correctable, especially into an offseason. And we know how good... (laughs) jumps have can be for college quarterbacks going from year one to year two. So I still am not pushing the alarm button on that yet, but obviously if the offense played somewhat closer to what they had played most of the year, they score more than 13 points. And if the defense plays like they did, then that would have been enough to get a win, but it didn't happen. End of the day, all you can hope is that, this and the Arkansas State game where Georgia State couldn't win it late uh, serve as reminders as this offense moves forward as to getting that killer edge to finish off games and win games that App State clearly has. And App State has been there more than Georgia State. And so maybe it's not surprising that their offense was able to get that fourth quarter drive they needed and that their defense stood up is because they've made their medal winning games like that. And Georgia state hasn't been in that situation as a program that often. And I guess that that's what the big picture thing you look for is that whether it's against app state next year, whether it's one of these next two games or whether it is any of the games on the 2021 schedule to take the next step as a football program, Georgia state's got to start winning more of these close games. And so you just have to hope that they can learn some lessons from a tough loss and put them into practice the next time they're in that situation. Yeah. And and I I wanted to, before we move on, I wanted to come back to the quad thing because I feel, I feel like with all of the great games he's had this year and the poise that he has shown, you know, I feel like it is possible for people to forget that Georgia state as a program has never had a, either a true freshman or a red shirt freshman be their quarterback. It's always been guys who, you know, have been on the two year cycle who've had some experience beforehand. Um, and so this is new territory for Georgia state. So you are going to see, you know, those ups and downs, those great games, and then, you know, kind of a subpar game. And I think, you know, in coach Elliott's postgame comments, you know, he made a point that, uh, the way that the passing offense was designed versus app state, you know, it seemed as if quad was holding the ball a little bit too long in instances. And, you know, with as good a secondary as app state has, you know, holding the ball an extra two, three seconds could mean that your receivers aren't getting the separation that they otherwise had, or, you know, it could just mean that the pressure is getting into your face and that forces bad throws and, you know, whatever it may have been. Um, but I think there were a lot of throws in that game where you could say, okay, quad didn't hit that throw, but he probably will learn how to hit that throw either later on this year or next year. So you definitely can see kind of where the progression is and where the growth will be. Um, And yes, as you said, app state is a team that historically has been there. So they were probably a little bit better suited to win that game against Georgia state. 
but I really can't help but shake that this Georgia State team is one offseason away from truthfully competing in the Sun Belt. You know, a lot of their games this year have been close and they've been coin flips that unfortunately have just not gone the Panthers' way. You know, the only game that they've truthfully been out of was the Coastal game, which, all right, everybody gets a mulligan and Coastal is America's team this year. But, you know, it, the Louisiana game, you lost in overtime. The Arkansas State game, you lost by one touchdown. You know, and now the App State game. You know, they're this team is so close to truthfully flipping that switch. I, th- I think they're still a fine team, you know, a middling Sunbelt East team. They're not in the basement, um, even if they are the last team by record. But I definitely think that they're very close to being where we think that they are. And it's just something that at some point starts going right. Ball starts bouncing your way and it just happens. Um, there's no real science to it. <laughs> but uh, I guess I think that there'd be maybe cause for concern if both the coastal game and the app game pretty clearly the two toughest games on the schedule in conference had both gone terribly wrong. Like if you lose to app state 51, nothing or, you know, something like what you lost to coastal. And then it's just like, Oh, there's clearly a huge gap between Georgia state and these teams that are doing well in conference, but Georgia state played Louisiana, the West champion confirmed now very close. They played app state very close. I I mean, we detailed in the ways where Georgia state just wasn't in the game against coastal for reasons of just not executing well on that day. And so I think that that is at this point, we can say with evidence, the aberration of those games and that's going to happen in the, there's going to be duds. <laughs> You're going to not play a team to the best of your abilities. And it's going to happen. But I think we're seeing, yes, they are at this point, as of this season, still at least one tier below the top of the Sun Belt, which is frustrating because you see a team like coastal who has been in the lower tiers shoot up this year, but you're in games and you're changing what the perception of Georgia state is. And like David said, on the cusp, there's still, it's not just something that, okay, you're on the cusp. So next year, you're going to be that team who's playing for the conference title. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's still work to be done, but being on the cusp is better than a lot of the places Georgia state has been in just the short time that the program has existed. We, we were all there. Uh, there were some real low lows and I'm sorry, this isn't close to that. No, not at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, lastly, I think I'm glad that America is kind of waking up to, you know, Coastal Carolina. Obviously, they're undefeated. But I think what people who don't really follow the Sun Belt don't know or didn't, you know, they might not remember is Coastal Carolina in 2019 definitely looked like a team that was on the cusp of something. Um, I can't say that going into this year, I thought that they would be, you know, the 15th ranked team in the country. And, you know, I didn't necessarily think that they would be this good, but you definitely saw the coastal team last year, lose a bunch of close games, you know, and you definitely could see kind of what Chadwell was building there. And you could tell that they needed some better quarterback play. Um, I don't know that they thought that McCall would be the guy. Um, 
you know, and he's been phenomenal, but you definitely could tell that they were building something there and very close. And I mean, look what happens, you know, some of it is luck. Some of it is just great execution, but they're, you know, the team to beat in the Sunbelt apparently right now. Um, so, and this isn't me saying that Georgia state is going to be that next year. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that Georgia state is going to be eight. No next year or anything like that, but you can see a lot of the good pieces in different places and they will be here next year. And if, you know, injuries aren't a consideration and if, you know, the execution and the scheme in certain areas gets cleaned up, it also wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about a Georgia state team that is competing for the Sunbelt East title. They really wouldn't. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up, David, because uh, as you alluded to earlier, Nobody really knew what was going to happen with anything this season. Coronavirus and all that removed. You had you lost Dan Ellington. You lose people like Trey Barnett. You lose people like Brandon Wright. And you have all these key people for the team, key players that had to be replaced. We didn't really know exactly what was going to be happening with some of these positions. Sometimes you have an idea. But... All of these positions, you have quarterback Quad Brown, freshman, redshirt freshman, comes out, does freshman things as freshmen are wont to do, but he hasn't looked truly terrible except for maybe for a couple series here and there, but he's he's showing signs of greatness. The running backs are stacked now, and then you have Noel Ruiz comes in. He's a, he's a good kicker. He's done good things for us. Punting has been kind of... Punting has been... Uh, I guess flashes of early Georgia state punting, if you will, before, uh, before all that went down to your point on quad. I don't know that you could really say he's been worse than any of the first years of Nick Arbuckle or Connor Manning or Dan Ellington factor in that he's a freshman and that's a total win. Right. And but they had... all, they all struggled in their junior years with Georgia state. Um, the team wasn't, winning games and then they put it together in their last year, but it was that it was their last year. And now with quad, you have at least two, uh, you know, given NFL rules, you have to say that, but it, probably three. Um, instead of this being okay, you have an off season and then your senior year go. This team didn't have much of a spring practice either. Like I think all of us kind of not necessarily forgot, but it's something that I think a lot of people don't really keep in mind is that, well, also most of the other teams didn't have spring practice either, but that's beside the point. You have a team that for all intents and purposes, didn't really get to play until right before their first game. Granted, Georgia state had a couple other weeks to prepare because of game cancellations and things, but they were more or less banking on getting a fresh read on more or less the entire team maybe two, three weeks before their first game. And to come out like they have and put up performances against the Louisianas and the App States and all the, all the other opponents that they've played this year, I don't think I'm mad. Of course, you, you get upset when you see potential and you see things that clearly could have gone better and you see ways that they could have easily gotten out of bad situations they put themselves in with questionable play calling or just sloppy penalties or whatever, but there's a lot of promise in the team. And I think that's what people need to take away from this past weekend's game. It's not app state comes in and steamrolls the team for four straight seasons. It's not anything like that. This is measured improvement 
and progress that this team has made every single year, the score gets a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. This year could have been a year. It didn't end up being the year. Do we wish Georgia State would have won? Of course we do. But I'm not, I'm not super upset at that result. I think there's a lot of improvement on both sides of the ball. Didn't quite get where they needed to be, but, you know, it is what it is. Next year, I think uh, you see quad develop. You see all these other players get more into their roles in the team and uh, might see uh, might see a Panther victory with the Mountaineers in Center Park Stadium. But enough about App State. Let's move on to a little bit of a South Alabama preview. Uh, Jaguars head coach Steve Campbell is 8-24 and in his third year at South Alabama. Uh, the Jaguars quarterback Desmond Trotter on the season, uh, 1,320 yards and nine touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he is joined on offense by wide receivers Jalen Tolbert and Kawan Baker, combined for over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns between them. Then on defense, senior linebacker Riley Cole is their main man with five and a half tackles for loss. This South Alabama team is... Very odd. I feel like they should be better than they are, but I can't really put my finger on it. Um, I mean, they're they're all right. They're not terrible, but I don't know. I I think it'll be another game for Georgia State, a little bit similar to the ULM game, in that you just kind of want to come out and take care of your business. And if you do that, you'll probably get the win. Um, I like Trotter. I think he's a fine quarterback. I don't think he's anything like super special, um, but you don't always need a super special guy. Um, this isn't a team that's going to run the ball a ton. Um, they just are not a prolific rushing team, which is okay. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think this game is just going to, I think this game is just going to be about, I think this game is just going to be about Georgia state and, you know, keeping quad standing upright, you know, the offensive line started off great against app state, but then they kind of bullied the Panthers offensive line a little bit um, throughout the rest of the game. And then just, you know, keeping that and maintaining that balance that Georgia state has had historically that, I mean, those are your keys really. So I'll clarify my read on South Alabama based on what you said a little Slightly, I think that South Alabama is going to try to run the ball. Uh, they average just under 40 carries a game. They, they've run it more than they've fasted in their, uh, when you look at their season numbers, but they are much more prolific passing the ball. Uh, they average just under 120 rushing yards a game versus just over 240 passing yards a game. So I think where they are dangerous is with those two wide receivers, Tolbert and Baker that Jordan previewed um, and they're good receivers. And obviously we have seen Georgia state struggle against, you know, flashback to the Arkansas state game where Jonathan Adams and Dahu green had tremendous games at the expense of Georgia state. But I guess where I see the game coming down to is one stat, one stat for both sides. Georgia State has 23 sacks on defense this year. South Alabama has given up 26 sacks on offense this year. And uh, the numbers are kind of reversed on the other way. So Georgia State given up, I believe, nine sacks on offense. And I think South Alabama has 10 on the year on defense. And so... 
if it's a game where Georgia State is constantly getting pressure against an offensive line that struggled to protect against the pass rush, and if it's a game where South Alabama is having no ability to get to quad in the backfield because they haven't shown that success on the season, then it might be a game that goes Georgia State's way early and often. Uh, that That is a a formula for disaster. If you are getting no pass rush and stopping nothing with your offensive line, uh, it's still a road game. You got to go on the road. The offense has to travel. It's definitely not a given that the pass rush just, it's not like we are, you know, Georgia state can be like, we are a good pass rushing team. So we're just going to get sacks because you still have to go out there and win your assignments and everything. But on paper, that is the thing that jumps to me is that it's it could be a situation where Jordan Strong can go for the career sack record in one game and get like four sacks if he's if he's having a good day at the office. And um, so that that's where I'm at. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to compare it to the ULM game, because I think South Alabama is a good bit better than that ULM team. But I think this is a game that. If you want to put your stamp on it, get to that winning record. If you want to get past what was a disappointing loss this past weekend, I don't think it's a game that would surprise me if Georgia State is able to come out and win comfortably. Whatever you want to ascribe comfortably to as far as a margin. And if, if there's any Jaguar fans listening to this, I hope you don't think I'm saying the Jaguars are as bad as ULM. That you know, that wasn't my point, but it's more so Georgia State's coming off a frustrating for whatever reason loss, and they don't necessarily need to soul search this time. But if you go back and watch App State and look at what you did well and some of the things that you didn't do well, just go out and execute. And if that's what the Panthers do, then they're probably going to come out and get the win on Saturday. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, soul searching after the coastal game, Coach Elliott sounded as upbeat coming into a game in his media availability this week as he's been after one of these losses, I mean, every week he's like, I feel like we're going to, you know, do well. Like he isn't ever the only week where there was like a, we need to see how they respond was after the coastal game, which was understandable. But this week he was saying, I think we have a good game plan to go in there and do well. And it, it sounded like that the confidence from the good from the app state game was in fact having an impact on the team that they were, it felt like there was some juice behind the team already. And so if they're coming in with something to prove after that tough loss, then it could be one of those days. We did have a question this week from Carlos, who asks, if we finish the season five and four, you guys think that can carry some momentum into next season and we can be on top of the Sun Belt? Uh, well, as I said earlier, I think there's a lot of unrealized potential that this team has had this year. And maybe with a few more reps, maybe with a little bit more spring practice, a couple calls go Georgia State's way, a couple throws get just a little bit closer to the receivers. Uh, Georgia State could easily have won, at minimum, two more games this year. But uh, to in short, to answer your question directly, Carlos, yes. I think there's a lot of promise. Uh, Georgia State's returning a lot of people for next year. Keep in mind, Quad is a redshirt freshman, and he seems to already have a very good grasp on what he needs to be looking at. Uh, execution isn't quite there yet. 
and the consistency certainly isn't, but I think there's a lot of promise there. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't necessarily say what next season will look like. And, you know, I kind of mentioned where I think Georgia State is in comparison to other teams that have flipped this script. Um, but if the Panthers get two more wins this season and end up five and four, I guess the hope would be that the way that they got those two wins is quad looks great. Um, even if they're running the ball down the throats of the Jaguars and the Eagle Eagles, you know, quad doesn't struggle in either of the games and takes that confidence and, you know, kind of puts it in his mind and goes through a normal off season as normal as it can be. Um, and then just the defense looks good. You know, I think, the last few years we've heard a lot of rumblings and, you know, kind of fan ire about, you know, do we need a new defensive coordinator? You know, does the team have the right plays and does the right scheme, like what's there, you know, but I think we've seen a lot of good that has happened on the defense the last couple of seasons. You know, I mean, we, we kind of hammer home the point about the defensive line getting pressure and getting sacks, but before last season, we were looking at a Georgia State, you know, program that was getting like seven or eight sacks in 12 game seasons. You know, we are not accustomed to Georgia State teams getting 23 sacks and they've only played seven games. Like this isn't even a full season slate of games. And they're, you know, like we're talking about Jordan Strong breaking the career sack record just for this one season, you know. So I think if the defense plays well, in either of these games that will go a long way to saying, okay, maybe the 21 Panthers truthfully can be something. Yeah, I guess. um, I don't know about the momentum as far as like five and four versus four and five and the team feeling like, yeah, this is, you know, positive momentum. Definitely. But I do think there is something to the fact that Georgia state hasn't had back-to-back winning seasons. And so in that respect, especially, I think that it would be a big feather in the cap and a way of saying, yes, progress is going forward. It's not a stop, start, stop, start, continuing the cycle of what it has been. Uh, the bowl games have been great, but I think more than that, I think what a lot of people want to see is sustained success. And so I, I think that finishing five and four, you know, all the teams are trying to get better. Hard to say how it plays out as far as the Sun Belt goes, but it can only be a positive as far as what you're trying to do with building this program up. Yeah. And to that point, uh, somewhat whether or not Georgia state ends up going to a bowl game this year, I think, uh, obviously you'd want the team to get more practice and have just that much more time getting comfortable with the people who are in the system. Now, uh, whether that happens with a five and four record, we don't know, even though the eligibility thing has been kind of thrown out the window, Bulls are more or less going to pick whoever they want. Yeah, it might just be a P5 fest. Well, I mean, they do have, not to get too off topic, but they do have contractual tie-ins to the Sun Belt for, I I believe the Sun Belt has five now, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, unless it's been canceled and I just haven't uh, paid attention. I believe that is replacing the Arizona Bowl, and that should be still five uh, tie-ins. But yeah, it it remains to be seen. Uh, We have to see how the Panthers are going to perform in the last two games. Um. But yeah, it's it's just one of those things that you can't ever look past what is coming up down the pipe, uh, so to speak. You just got to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. 
see if they can make the most out of all the opportunities they have. Because if if you split the series or split the series, if you split the two games between uh, the Jaguars and Georgia Southern, then uh, you end the season four and five. And then people are like, okay, well, that was a disappointing result because you had the Charlotte game that could have been played because of the, the false positive test results you had. Oh, well, what if we beat Louisiana in overtime? What if we beat App State for the first time ever? And then you could have had at that point six, seven, maybe eight wins, depending on what other games got uncanceled or whatnot. And then at that point, you would have been looking at the best season in program history and not just, oh, well, the Panthers did pretty good. You just this has been such a crazy year of everything getting thrown out the window. You just, uh, I, I don't think it's really fair to compare this year to too much else, given everything that's been going on. So before we get you guys out of here this week, we did want to talk a little bit about basketball, because in fact, basketball season starts a week from yesterday, when the Panthers will travel up to North Avenue to play Georgia Tech. But uh, before we get there, we did want to touch on the Sunbelt Coaches Poll, where the Panthers were predicted to finish second behind Little Rock and first in the East. Kane Williams was named to first team. Uh, Justin Roberts was named to second team, all Sunbelt, respectively. Yeah, it feels weird. I mean, we've just neglected basketball um, because it hasn't been happening. <laughs> and the build-up to it, I mean, athletics has done a really good job with those videos of meeting all the players individually. Uh, but it still felt like a weird year, and there isn't even, you know, GSU Jam, is that what they were still called? I, th I think so, yeah. Uh, and, like, exhibition games before the regular season. Uh, Georgia Tech game next Wednesday is the opener. Uh, there's no game against Point or Life University or whatever in exhibition before for the guys to get their feet under them and get some shots up. It starts with ACC foe in a game that – for your season goals and also just for everything with what this program's building towards as a basketball program, a game you really almost need to win, if not just really want to. <laughs> uh, so that is a uh, interesting dynamic of this year is that this is just going to be the first live game against not themselves that they're going to play. It's certainly weird. It's definitely a weird season this year. Um, but I feel like, especially with kind of the odd ending to last season and, you know, kind of given the guys that are coming in this year, that'll be eligible for Georgia state, you know, before the skid kind of happened, it's going to be, you know, business as usual and right where coach Lanier and company left off. And, um, it's weird that Georgia tech is the first game. You're right. Um, normally it's a, you know, I guess what, what do the kids say? Baked potato state university. Um, hey, no disrespect I, to point. I, I but... listed two actual ones. <laughs> Gave regional well, shout outs. In, in the absence of Taylor, we, we must make the uh, requisite baked potato state university reference, but please continue. No, absolutely. Um, but at the same time though, I think, it is a blessing that the Panthers didn't lose a ton of production last year. Obviously the veteran presence of Damon Wilson will be missed. Um, you know, and I hope that the transfers, you know, find their footing elsewhere. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of who is the who is the Panther that takes that step forward this year, like Nelson Phillips did. You know, how can Kane do with another year? 
as you know, the kind of the keys to the Panther offense, you know, what does Corey Allen look like this year in his kind of modified role? You know, so there's a, there's a few questions that one could ask about this team, but I think they'll be good. So this is the first year where there is in the linear era, some, you know, he isn't installing his offense and defense. The thing that happened with coach Hunter even with good teams is there was always a little bit of early season working through the kinks. And there was always a game where the zone rotations were going poorly. And so the other team got like 15 threes and maybe Georgia state lost a game. They shouldn't have a non-conference and uh, non-conference wasn't very shaky last year. Uh, it was a pretty decent year. Non-conference got some good wins against, you know, Charlotte was a good win. I remember the Dartmouth overtime game, uh, but wins in the end in a lot of where you needed to win winning at Mercer. But this year it feels like a situation where I guess we'll really know the, uh, the tenor of the team in non-conference to see if it, the woes in non-conference will continue because there really isn't any reason for the team to struggle early. There's a lot returning from the core that should be a, you know, a year more experienced, a year better while you get to work in guys like Sasemi and Jojo Toppin who hadn't played this past year and the freshmen who I'm interested to see how the, the freshmen contribute. Um, it should be a team that should be able to hit the ground running. So I'm interested to see how that happens. Absolutely. You know, as we get closer to conference play, I'm sure we'll discuss sort of the, you know, weird back-to-back schedule that the Sunbelt has. Um, but I, I, I really like the Georgia State depth. And I think we kind of talked about it last year and it faltered at the end of the season. Um, but truthfully, this is the year where depth is going to matter almost more than anything else because you are playing teams, you know, literally on back-to-back nights. Um once we get into conference play. So that's going to be very important for the Panthers. And it's going to be very interesting to see coach Lanier's rotation next week against uh, the yellow jackets. Yeah. I mean, you can even talk about the depth that, you know, yeah, it was a strength last year. We talked about it last year, but it got better. Georgia state lost Damon Wilson. Uh, Chris Clerk graduated. They added more than they lost. And it's guys that we think are going to come in and be a part of the rotation. Uh, I really don't know how they're going to work in the front court, how they're going to do substitutions in the back court. Um, I know a few podcasts ago, we did our projected starting lineups. Um, and I'm not remembering off the top of my head what I said. So I'm not going to commit to <laughs> saying the exact lineup I said, but it'll be interesting to see if it is a situation where Nelson Phillips and Jojo Toppin, both guys we think are going to be sort of the guys setting the tone on defense. If they're both starting, if someone else is starting in place of one of them and that, that whoever of them is not starting is going to be bringing that defensive energy as a sixth man type, or we don't know. And it's exciting, but I really think you can look at it and see most of the people on the roster I could see playing a, a role in this team. And that's a, a large way of why the Tennessee teams that coach Nier was an assistant on had success was that there was a lot past the starting lineup that was able to contribute. And I'm interested to see just how these different guys we've heard about 
in, you know, in recruiting or that sat out this past year, how they're able to add to this team, really fascinating stuff. So it's still, we haven't seen the teams play. There's no stats to go off for either teams. I guess my question to you, David, is what are you hoping to see specifically from this Georgia Tech game? Aside from, you know, Georgia State to win by 30. You know, like it, specifically as the game plays <laughs> out, what are you watching for? What are you hoping to see from this opening game where while we have a lot of excitement, we aren't really sure what the Georgia State team is going to look like on the court? So I think the biggest thing to watch for is sort of the – First of all, I think guard play is going to be one of the most important things for Georgia State this year. You know, we know what we have in Kane Williams. You know, he's going to be the guy with the ball the majority of the time. Um, you know, Justin Roberts also came in and got some preseason hardware. You know, is he able to repeat his season last season? That's probably going to happen. But I think especially in this Georgia Tech game, you're going to want to look to see, okay, how does Jojo Toppin fit in? Can Nelson Phillips continue to be what he was last year? You know, and where does he fit kind of into the team? You know, one guy that I'm really excited about this season is Aleel Sasemi and I think he profiles kind of in that Malik role where he's really good offensively and is also able to be kind of a force defensively because of his size and his length. Um, so I'm very curious to see, you know, how often him and, you know, some of the other new guys get worked in for Georgia state. Um, and I think also just trying not to take too much stock if they struggle with, you know, a long scoring drought. Um, I think kind of as the season ended last year, there were times where it felt like Georgia state just needed to go get a bucket and they couldn't get a bucket. And that's what cost them, you know, both of the Southern games um, just to name a few. Um, and so to see if there's a guy that just has that, okay, this team needs a basket. I'm going to go get that basket right now. I don't care who's in front of me. Um, obviously that's a little bit hard to tell with just one game. Um, so if it doesn't happen, you can't be too upset, but that's, personally what I will be looking for um, when I watch that game. So for me, it's one thing and kind of encompasses a couple of things within it, but I'm going to be interested in how good the jump shooting is early in the season. Um, the first part of that is just functionally. I think Georgia state's going to have to have a good day from three to beat Georgia tech. And just, if it's a day where they're taking 25 threes and you know, they're only making five or six rather than shooting close to 40 to 50% clip in a game. We think will probably be pretty close no matter what that would be the difference between a win and a loss and what would be a really important win for the university, the program, what have you. But also like you alluded to the end of the year, the offense, there were times where there was a lot of scoring droughts and also just in general, it's an offense that, really works better when everything's moving and the guys are making passes to the open guy. And so that's the other reason why it's important is if Georgia state's getting a lot of threes up and they're good looks at three, if they're already going in, that's a good sign for where the season's going to go. It, the assist number is, you know, something North of 14. I'd feel pretty good about Georgia state's chances. Let me just old takes myself before we go. 
And it's, yeah, I don't want to put down Georgia Tech. Um, I think the Passner decision hasn't necessarily yielded the results that that program has wanted. Um, But I don't think that one could just look over Georgia Tech right now and say, yeah, Georgia State is expected to beat them. You know, over the last like five years, we and others in the Georgia State basketball fandom, I guess, have joked that Georgia State runs the state. And there is definitely some truth to that. Um, Obviously, they beat Georgia Tech a few years ago in that exhibition game, and then they beat Georgia uh, two years ago in, you know, uh, I think that was the Bahamas tournament. Caymans. Yeah. Um, So obviously, Georgia State has the wins and the, you know, NCAA pedigree over those other teams. But this is the type of game where if you truthfully want to say you're the best team in the state, um, this is the game that you got to win. So, yeah. And I mean, I definitely think that they know that and that this is a game that they want. And, you know, we'll see what George, where Georgia Tech's at. The other factor is just where they're, they are at as a team and also the refs. Um, but I'm also not a ref guy, so I'm not going to talk too much about the refs. But it's ACC building, maybe ACC refs. Obviously, it's a factor. I can't ignore it completely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if Georgia State comes in with the mentality of, we're the best in the state. We want to prove it. If, if Georgia Tech isn't ready to match that mentality, and if Georgia State's the one bringing all the energy, uh, will be a good day for the Panthers, I would say. All right. That's just about all the time we have for today. But before you guys get out of here, I did want to mention that up on the ThursdayNight.com, there is one of our fireside chats where Brady and David sat down virtually to talk about the 2020 Sunbelt football late season and a little bit of a basketball preview as well. So if you haven't already, go ahead and check that out. We will, of course, have our weekly uh, football game preview coming out before the game and uh, other content in the works as well. Thank you, as always, for listening. Feel free to always reach out to us on any social media, snail mail, carrier pigeon, smoke signals, whatever you got. Uh, Ask us any questions you have. We'll work them into our podcasts. Uh, Other than that, that's all we got this week. We will catch you next time. Thank you very much for listening. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com. 